Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heinemann and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. The intent of theology is to lead us to worship. When we study the nature and character of God as revealed in His Word, we are invited to respond in the affectionate, obedient discipleship of worship. How can we keep our theology from only being head knowledge? How do we give our worship roots that will last? By fixing our eyes on God Himself, the object of our study, and the object of our worship. Fix Your Eyes is an invitation to understand core doctrines of the Christian faith and apply them in our daily worship of God. It walks believers through key theological concepts and shows how each can be lived out in our daily life. Learn more at FixYourEyesBook.com. Hello, and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heinemann, and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. How are you today? I am good. Um, it is. We're recording this on a Monday. You are probably you may be listening on a Monday. That's when our podcast comes out. So I feel like that's somewhat unusual for us that we're like in the same place of the week that it releases. But yes, yeah, and are- you know what, uh, Elizabeth, we've had a lot of new listeners that have really started joining us since the first of the year. So we just want to welcome everyone yeah. and thank you for listening to us. And I hope that everyone's subscribing to the podcast. Yes, um, we are always trying to get those subscribes and. Uh, the reviews too. Kelly, Kelly's big on reviews. So let's, if you have a moment, you can go into iTunes and review us and that way more people can get to know about our podcast. So that would be great. That's right. That's right. But we are here today to not talk about that, but to talk with Amy Gannett, who is an author of a few books and we're really excited to talk to her about all of them. So hello, Amy, and welcome to the Mark Podcast. Thanks so much for having me guys. This is so fun. Yes, and we usually don't introduce our our guests. We let them introduce themselves. So tell us about yourself, your family, and your ministry. Yeah, well, my, um, you know, I kind of feel like I wear a lot of different hats. So I kind of have like my online self, and then I have my in-person, you know, local um, things that God has called me to. But 
online is what I feel like most people that are listening might be familiar with. Um, I am recently the author of a book called Fix Your Eyes, um, how our theology shapes our worship of God. And one of my biggest passions ever since Bible school and seminary has been teaching people to study God's word and teaching people theology. So, um, Fix Your Eyes is really kind of a natural outflowing of that, and I do some online Bible study teaching um, through verse-by-verse studies, and I have a Bible study membership where we get to um, do some of that, the kind of nerdy stuff of Bible study. So that's a really fun um, outlet for me for teaching, and then I run Tiny Theologians, which is um, a line of discipleship resources teaching kids theology. So those are kind of my online Um, my online callings, the things that God has very generously and in his mercy um, allowed me to be a part of. And then in person, my day-to-day jobs, um, my husband and I have a toddler named Emerson, and she is just about two years old. And so um, she keeps us really busy, and we are church planters in Greenville, North Carolina. The Lord called us to plant Trinity Church Greenville about two and a half years ago now. And so we joyfully serve as, um, I joyfully serve there as the director of discipleship um, for Trinity Church. So that's a little snippet of what our lives look like. That's fun. You know, I just had a friend who was in Greenville this past weekend, and she was telling me, yeah, she was telling me what a fun little town it is. Like, there's a lot of, like, fun little shops and stuff. Is that for, I mean, is that true? Yeah, so this is one of the ongoing difficulties about living in Greenville, is there is a Greenville in every single state in the United States. Did you know this? <laughs> of course. It's yes. like the only, well, maybe it's not the only town that every single state has, but a lot of people think of Greenville, South Carolina. So she may have been in Greenville, South yes. Carolina. No, she was um, in North Carolina. Um, see, I think our town is so, so cute. But recently, my good friend, um, Ruth Simons, was like, I'm coming to Greenville for a speaking engagement. Do you want to meet up for dinner? We can go to anthropology together and stuff like that. I was like, oh, girl. You got the wrong green book. We do not have an anthropology. We do not have a shopping downtown. But we do have, um, our town is situated really around ECU, East Carolina Mm. University. And so because of that, there is, um, there's a lot of city pride, which I absolutely love. We're all Pirates fans. And um, built around the campus is such a wonderful up-and-coming downtown area, which is actually our church plant just started meeting right in the downtown area. So for a long time, it was kind of a neglected area of town. It was sort of this... um, you know, it was a little more run down. My husband actually remembers he grew up in a nearby town and he said it was kind of the area of town that nobody went to. Like you were kind of told, don't be there late at night by yourself, blah, blah, blah. Well, now our church is planted right in the heart of it. And there are all these wonderful restaurants and shops. And um, we just absolutely love what God is doing in our city. We're excited to be a part of it. That's, That's so really fun. fun. Yeah. I think one time I was headed to Greenville, South Carolina, but I had put the wrong Greenville in my no. uh, GPS. And so then I got <laughs> lost and it was at night and it was like kind no. of snowing. It was really like a terrible situation, but I didn't make it to Greenville, North Carolina, which I'm sure is lovely. I was like on a back road somewhere in like East Tennessee like state line area ish and I was just like oh I don't my know goodness where I am. and I didn't have I don't know where I'm going and yeah. I don't know where I am. Yeah that just, is totally the service fair. dropped out and I was like this is the start of like a true crime podcast I feel like but yeah, I, I um, should I should get I out of here it. is what you were thinking. Yeah. Well exactly. it's crazy that you would be driving in this area of the country and getting snow. Like what like we get snow maybe 
every couple of years. Yeah. So really, your situation was like you had <laughs> yeah. the storm. Like it was like up in the mountains. <laughs> and yeah, it was like January, oh, no. I think, or something oh, like that. No. But yeah, because one of my best friends from growing up lives in Greenville, South Carolina. So that's where I was headed yeah, to visit Right, her. right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, this is making me feel a lot better because I really do, like I get North Carolina and South Carolina mixed up all the time you and, I feel and everybody else <sighs> I know is, is this like your home state it's not where I'm from I'm originally from the Midwest but my husband is from North Carolina okay okay yeah mm-hmm. that makes sense well I know that uh, some, I mean I'm from Oklahoma that's where I mean so in Oklahoma we don't go to the Carolinas as much and so I think <laughs> right. that's I, that's my excuse, and, and I'm going to stick to it. There you go. So, you can go. stick to it. We're going <laughs> to yeah. let you have it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about Fix Your Eyes, because I have really enjoyed just reading through this, Amy, because I, I've been teaching kind of a theology class from one of our studies at Lifeway Everyday Theology to some women mm-hmm. at my church. And so this was really timely. Even last week I was going through it because we were talking about salvation, which is soteriology for those of you who want to know the big nerdy word. But I, I mean, I really like, I looked at your book because I wanted to be able to convey to my women the worship and salvation. And you intertwine that a lot. So tell us a little bit about how, like how your book kind of came about and how you how, how you kind of brought that focus into play? Yeah, well, a lot of it comes just out of my own desire to see my life and the things that I love. I love studying God's word. I love theology. You know, like I said, I went to Bible school. I went to seminary. So I love the mind of academics. I love the life of academics and I love the life of the mind. And uh, But I really knew in my own self that I needed to integrate it with my daily life of discipleship. One, because that is the proper outflow of any of our theology, right, is to respond to God in worship. Right. But two, because it also keeps my theology in front of me. You know, if I'm not applying it to my daily life, it sort of becomes a mute point in a way. Like, I can believe that God is trying you, and I can believe that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became fully God, fully man. Um, And yet if it's not connecting with my everyday life, I'm going to kind of internally, whether I know it or not, shrug my shoulders and say, what difference does it make, right? If it's really not touching down in my daily life, um, it's hard to sort of find a home for it um, within our own persons. And so I really wanted to write a book that I needed. I needed this integrated approach to knowing who God is and responding to him in worship. So I started sort of observing in my own self and in the church, there were sort of two camps, people that were like the thinking Christians, theology-minded Christians, or there were the worshipers, you know, the feelers and those who love the life of discipleship and the liturgies of um, the spiritual disciplines and applying things to their lives. But really, these two, you know, quote unquote, camps are the calling on the life of every single believer. No believer is called just to live in the life of the mind. Um, No believer is called just to live in the life of daily application. We're meant to know who God is and respond to him in worship. And so that was, I wrote the book that I needed. And I wrote the book that I felt like the women in my local church needed, the women in my local circles needed um, to help us connect how we um, can grow in knowing who God is as he's revealed himself in his word, but also how we respond to him in worship. 
That's so good because I do think when when women hear the word theology or they're thinking about the knowledge of knowing who God is, yeah, I, I think that they don't often put the two together of the response and the worship. Mm-hmm. And and there really mm-hmm. is for us to really understand who God is. We there is a call to respond. So I really I, I love that about your book. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think that there's been. Um, a great response to this book, because I think a lot of us feel ourselves pulled towards one Mm. of the poles. We either feel pulled to one side or the other. We either think of ourselves as those who know God or those who um, love God and have a deep affection for God. But really, um, if we debunk theology and think about it as it really is, it's just knowing God as he's revealed himself. We know that that is something that one, we already possess a view of God. All of us think something about him. So we all have a theology of some kind. Right. Um, the question is, is, is our theology biblical? Does what we believe about who God is, does it match up with who he actually says he is? Um, and then we all have lives that are lived based on what we believe. We all live lives of discipleship and worship. Our lives are formed around things that we believe. The question is, Are they formed around the right things? Are they formed around biblical principles of who God is? And so I think we all feel this in our bones. And so I just sort of wanted to put it out there, you know, to articulate it it in a helpful way so that people could grow in whatever their weak spot is. You know, my weak spot might be the life of discipleship and application, but somebody else's might be the life of theology, knowing who God is. And so um, hopefully this will serve as like a dumbbell in each hand, you know, for people, mm-hmm. whatever their dominant pull is towards theology or towards worship, they'll find that it'll be strengthened, but alongside um, where they might be weak in that paradigm. Yeah. And what encouragement would you have for the woman who may be more on the the loving God worship, like pull that, I don't know if it actually exists, but we like to think of it as existing and um, who may feel intimidated by kind of more academic terminology like theology and doxology Mm -hmm. and doctrine as she, like what encouragement would you have for her as she learns to fix her eyes on God, but maybe intimidated by that academic approach? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say this book in particular is written not to be academic. Right. And it couldn't be academic because I am not. Like I'm, I'm I like went to seminary, but like I'm not a PhD. I, I don't have aspirations of like teaching in a university or something like that. So um, if I can, if I can do it as a very average student, um, my encouragement to another woman is you can definitely do this because, yeah. um, you know, through high school and through college, I was not, I'm not, um, an impressive student. I just like to learn. <clears throat> so my, I was never one of those, you know, honors list GPA of four point. I was never one of those students, but I really like to learn. And, um, so if I can do it, my encouragement is also, you can do it for sure. You can do it. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I would also just say, you know, all of us are called into knowing who God is. And yeah, sure, we can use different language. We don't have to use words like theology. We don't have to use words like doxology, but we are all called to know God. And the best news is, is that um, when we feel deep in our guts that we can't, there's actually something whispering a truth to us that in our own ability and our human form and frailty, we do not have the ability to comprehend who God is in his completeness 
in our own power. We are right when we feel that sort of sinking feeling of how would I ascend to, how would my mind grapple with the things of the divine? We're right when we feel that sinking feeling of I can't do this. But God in his abundant mercy and his condescension has made himself known to us. And in his limitless power of all the things he could do, of all the things he could um, expend himself doing, he has chosen to reveal himself to us. And he does that in his word. He does that chiefly in the person of Jesus Christ. And when God sets out to do something, he doesn't do it halfway and he doesn't do it insufficiently. So if God has revealed to us everything that we need to know in order to know and love him and respond to him in worship, then we can trust the canon of scripture, the the word of God that's in front of us to do its job as we study it. God has um, set himself on a mission to make himself knowable to us. And he does not have a short arm. (laughs) You know, he is not incapable of accomplishing that mission. So we might feel inadequate in our own ability to know who God is. And we might hear this language of theology and doxology and be like, oh gosh, I'm going to call it quits from the beginning because I feel overwhelmed. Well, don't call it quits because God has called you to know him, but he's Mm -hmm. also taken the first 10 steps in your direction to make himself knowable to you. Mm -hmm. So, and God, God just, um, I don't know that there's a better way to say it, but like God gets what he wants. You know, he wants you to know him. He wants to make himself accessible to you. He's going to get his way. And he's done that in scripture. Yeah. In fact, I mean, I'm really glad you mentioned that because one of the the things that I've been teaching at some of our leadership events um, is on word-centered theology and word-centered ministry and really the bibliology part of worshiping the God of the Word and, and just how Martin Luther, you know, really was transformation, you know, just the reformation of just right. making sure the word was so, you know, sola scriptura of just, you know, scripture first. And you even quote him at the beginning of your chapter too on That's that right. when you worship the God of the word and stuff. And he does make us himself known through his word. Where where do women's ministry leaders like miss it, Amy? Like you you've probably mm. seen this. How do they miss it when they don't put that as a focus and they don't help women understand the importance of theology? Yeah. Well, I actually think, you know, as a woman who <clears throat> leads women's ministry in my own local church, and I have for several years in several different churches, um, I think I've missed it when I assume that women don't want to study the deep things of God. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there will likely always be circles of women who are like, I just need something more accessible or that feels intimidating to me or, you know, whatever. Um, but I would say in general, when I have approached the women in my local congregation, the women that the Lord has called me to serve, when that has been my, when my assumption is that they want to do something easier where they want the bar lowered or, you know, whatever it is, I am usually wrong. Um, I have seen the Lord grow so many women, grow in so many women, a deep hunger to know him. And when women are talking in um, local community about their need to be heard and understood, the ways that they feel misunderstood online, the ways that they feel lonely when they have, um, when they feel cooped up in a home with um, Mm -hmm. young children, when they feel um, alienated from a spouse, 
All of these ultimately are big questions about who God is and how he meets us in our daily life. They really are questions of who God is, which is our theology, and how he meets us in our daily life, which is the life of discipleship and worship. And so I think women, as women's ministry leaders, we do our women a disservice when we assume that they want simple solutions to simple problems. Because if we start listening, we're going to start hearing their lives are complex, their questions are deep, and God is ready to meet them in those places with his word and with deep and rich theological truths for them that are really transforming. I mean, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the life of the church. They really mm-hmm. do change everything. Yeah, that's good. So good. Okay, shifting gears a little bit, but still staying on the theology topic. Tell us a little bit about the Tiny Theologian series. I love that name, first of all. It just is so cute. (laughs) It's just cute, right? There's nothing cuter than picturing like, you know, a a little um, scholar child. Yeah, like a little baby scholar. scholar. I feel like they should have glasses on or something. I don't know. Well, the logo is glasses. So like, you are like exactly right on track. I should have looked at it again. So, so fun. I mean, we, um, we, we just are so tickled every time we see parents post photos of their kids using these resources, or we have t-shirts that say tiny theologian and the parent, we have matching parent t-shirts that say raising tiny theologians. And we just love seeing those. So it really is the, the cutest thing you'll ever lay, on, lay eyes on if I'm yeah. being completely honest. But tiny theologians really grew out of my desire to um, disciple women. So I, as I was teaching online Bible studies, as I was teaching theology online, I saw this big gap in my um, audience and it was parents of young kids, moms of young kids. And um, the more I listened to them, the more they were like, I just don't think I have time to study theology, but I'd love for you to, you know, make something for my kids. And so the first set of flashcards that I created were the ABCs of theology. And I really made it because I wanted to get it into parents' hands because I knew if a mom was going to teach her kids, she would also learn herself. And so um, I wanted to create an accessible resource that would take that impulse that so many mothers have um, that says, I will do something for my kids that I won't do for myself. I'll spend money on my kids, but I won't spend money on myself. I'll invest the time in my kids' discipleship when I won't do that for my own um, heart. But I wanted to take that impulse, put something in their hands that would also allow them to learn alongside their kids. And so that was just kind of the beginning of this journey that the Lord had me on to create a line of discipleship products that would point kids and their parents to God. Um, I am just really thrilled with how the Lord has grown this small business and ministry. You know, we started with one set of flashcards and now we have about 20 sets of um, flashcards for kids along with several other resources. We just released a line of books with BH Kids um, that are all about who God is and his unchanging character, the ways that God is unlike us in his power, knowledge, and presence. And so it has been such a joy to watch kids learn big truths about God um, in a simplified way. So our big passion at Tiny Theologians is making um, theology accessible to kids without watering it down and without oversimplifying it. That's our mission. Mm-hmm. 
And the Lord in His grace has seen it fit to um, grow this little brand in such a way that we are seeing kids' lives, um, their minds are captivated by the beauty of God's mm-hmm. Word and by the big truths of who God is, and their hearts are following suit. And that is just, I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. Well, they I mean, like I'm on the website right now, I'm looking at it, and it's they're so fun. I mean, I looked yeah. at it last week, and I... I thought, okay, I've got a new grandson, and I'm like, okay, he's only a month old, but I'm definitely like, <laughs> it's never too them. early, Kelly. It's, it's never, never too early. That's early. what we always Get him a little pair of glasses, early. and I'm, you'll be good to go. I know. In fact, <laughs> it's right. funny because last year I I bought myself some theologian trading cards. One of my friends told me about them, <laughs> and I I take them with me to like different Bible studies and. And like, they're really fun. Like you do learn about church history and about you you do things. And like some of the ones that I'm just looking at, like all of us can learn from this. Like you've got the ABCs of God's attributes, the ABCs of the names of God, the ABCs of theology, like, and especially even women, Amy, that maybe didn't come to know Christ until an adult. And now they're a mom. I hear moms tell me over and over again, if they weren't raised in church, like, the children's products that they buy for their kids help them understand. Totally. Would you agree? Yeah. Absolutely. I felt like one of the biggest wins of my entire Tammy Theologian's career is one of the moms who said, hey, I can't sign up, you know, for your Bible studies because I don't have time. What do you have for my kids? You know, that kind of spearheaded me to create Tiny Theologian. She wrote me a couple months later after the ABCs of Theology had launched, and she said, I now know what atonement is. And and when, you know, the pastor says it from the pulpit, I'm not intimidated because I know what atonement means. And I just thought to myself, this is why this is why I want to do it. Because as parents, we can't lead our kids somewhere that we haven't gone ourselves. We can't lead them into deeper discipleship than we're willing to explore on our own. And so we, if we want to lead our kids closer to the Lord, we need to grow closer to the Lord. And yeah. so that was one of those moments where I thought, Wow, this feels like a real big win because um, I want parents to know these things because they're the primary disciple makers. I mean, I that's why we say at Tiny Theologians, we aren't we don't make resources for kids. We equip parents to disciple their kids. They mm. parents are gonna be the primary disciple makers in their own homes. And so if we can give them the best, most theologically sound, biblically rich resources in order to do that, I think that that is going to take us a lot further than just creating, um, you know, interesting games for kids to play, which are, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think if we can equip parents, uh, we're going to see ourselves go a lot further than we could otherwise. It's fun. Yeah. And you can make it fun, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think yeah. um, they always say, like, you can't, you don't truly know something until you could teach it to like a five-year-old. And so I think that even hearing something taught to or reading something that is taught at the five-year-old level helps us, even if we do know these concepts, grew up in church, have heard these concepts our whole life, to see it expressed in a way that a five-year-old or a three-year-old could understand can help cement it in our own minds as well as just help us to actually learn what it means. Because there's a lot of like, you know, Christianese terms <laughs> that we That's throw around right. and we can kind of use in a sentence, but we may not fully understand what they are until we see it explained very simply and um, 
strategically. And I like that you said, you know, it's not watered down because I am of the belief that like we just tell kids what it is, how it is. And if they get it, they get it. If they don't, they'll get it later. <laughs> so and we just, just keep repeating it. Exactly. Like I think exactly. for kids, we keep saying it. I mean, this is like the pastoral burden when mm-hmm. pastors are preaching to us on Sunday. I mean, they can't grow weary of preaching the gospel because right. we need to hear it over and over and over and in lots of different ways because one week it's going to grip my heart in a new way. The next week it's going to grip your heart in a different way. Yeah. And each time we hear it, it's like cementing it further and further into um, our hearts and minds. And so we just keep giving our kids um, the nourishment of scripture on a regular basis, saying it in different ways, presenting it in different formats, um, because we want them to have a big view of who God is. And if they don't get it right away, we can't be discouraged and we can't let them be discouraged because our whole lives are about getting to know this God. <laughs> you know, you and I yeah. haven't arrived. And so we just give it to them bite size by bite size. And then as they mature into meat, we give them bite size by bite size. And then they, they learn to feed themselves and we feed ourselves for our whole lives. So I just think um, we just can't grow weary in doing good as disciple makers, whether that's in the local church or whether that's in our homes. We can't grow weary in doing good because this is a lifelong mission that God's called us on. Yeah. I like to, in in case some of our listeners are like, well, you know, how old is Tiny Theologians? Like, what are they for? Like, you have products and you've got them separated. Like, hey, here's some things for two to four-year-olds. Here's some things for five to seven-year-olds. Here's some things for eight to ten-year-olds, you know, whatever. I mean, I think... I, I was in my middle school girls class yesterday at church and I guarantee you the things that are the eight to 10, I could still use that with some of my middle school girls that are, are absolutely young. Could. but I, I love that you've got that broken down because I do think as a parent that really helps them think, oh, okay, this is on their level. Yeah. And that, that's really and helpful. it's helpful for those of us who are not parents, but would like to uh, buy gifts for people. Because that's really? what I run into a lot is I'm just like, I'm just going by this age recommendation right. on the website. So that's very helpful for that's for right. us. Yeah, Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to create resources for ages 2 to 12. Um, I actually think that the ABC cards are great concepts for anybody ages mm-hmm. 2 to 12. Um, but, you know, if you buy a 12-year-old a set of ABC cards, they might be a little offended on their 12th right. birthday. And so we have different formats and stuff like that. So that as kids grow, you're really reinforcing a lot of the similar concepts, but you're mm-hmm. doing it in a way that will grip them in a new format so that they rehear it mm-hmm. in the, you know, the season of life that they're in. For sure. Well, Amy, the question that we always ask, um, because this is the Mark podcast, we would like to ask you as well, what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? Yeah, I, there are, I could name a lot of things in, um, the, the seasons that the Lord has had me and there have been many, um, but one of the biggest things that I have been marked by is learning this doctrine. And this is going to sound really heady and I don't mean for it to, um, but learning this doctrine of union with Christ, um, it's something that I was exposed to in undergrad and something that was reinforced in seminary. And I really just see it now as such a summation of everything that God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and really this doctrine had, when it was taught to me, I thought, how has, how have I thought about the gospel any differently? Really the gospel, the doctrine of union with Christ is just the idea that we are saved in Jesus Christ. And then everything else that results in salvation is a benefit from being united to Christ. So I used to think about, Oh, 
um, one of the aspects of salvation is adoption. We're adopted as sons. But the doctrine of union with Christ reminds us that we're adopted because we're made one with the son of God. So, of course, we're mm-hmm. sons and daughters of God. Um, you know, one of the other aspects of salvation is that we are redeemed. Well, mm-hmm. that only makes sense if you're made one with the Redeemer himself, right? We're justified because we're made one with the one who went to the cross to justify us. And so, that has helped me so much. Instead of just looking at all these doctrines and thinking, oh, they're so heady and they're kind of all abstract concepts, we can kind of pull them all together and say, what is salvation? Salvation is Jesus Christ. Um, and because I am united um, to the person of Jesus Christ, all of these other benefits are gloriously mine. Um, I'm adopted. I'm, I'm being sanctified. I am justified. I am redeemed. All of these things are because I made one with Christ. And so that actually feels much more mentally accessible to me to say, I'm one with Jesus Christ in salvation. That is how he came to save me. Not just, he didn't just like sign off on my detention paper and say, you don't have to serve the punishment for your sin. He actually came and united himself to me and wants that personal relationship with me. And so in all of my theology, in all of my discipleship, I think this doctrine actually brings so much, um, so many of these concepts to life because we're reminded that it's not just that we're learning abstract thoughts, but we're fixing our eyes on a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And that um, Mm. has been a huge blessing to me throughout my um, walk with God. Wow. That old preach, as they say. (laughs) Definitely something for us to all keep in mind, for sure. I mean, so I'm really, I I really do love your book, Amy. I mean, I know we talk about a lot of books on this podcast, but there's just some really rich things in here, but you did bring it to a place of just understanding for for any woman who who really wants to have a better grasp of what it means to fix your eyes on just Mm -hmm. the theology and the worship and how that is, you know, our response to how we think about God. So thank you for being just obedient to the Lord. And as he asked you to, to do these things and, um, we're excited about the book and also just what you're doing with with children and um all the, all the things you've got several websites too so you want to just tell them real fast how to what's the best way for people to find you yeah you can find me um if you're looking for any of my adult resources like my verse by verse bible studies or fix your eyes or any of those adult resources amygannett.com you can follow me on instagram um at Amy Kate Gannett um, and then Tiny Theologians is tinytheologians.shop or on Instagram at tinytheologians. Awesome. That's great. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show today. And listeners, we hope that you will join us every single weekend, but also check out Amy's resources. I think they'll be a blessing to your life. Thanks again, Amy. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.
Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for teen girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.